Welcome to Shadowproof, and I am your host, Todd Callahan. We had an incredible week last week. We, uh, we welcomed Charlie and Erica Kirk from Turning Point USA. Charlie is the founder and president of Turning Point USA, and uh, we just had an incredible time uh, with Charlie and Erica as he ministered and uh, preached the kingdom and really took us down uh, a wonderful road of recognizing specifics that we need to walk in as we continue to represent the kingdom in this culture. And, uh, you know, Charlie wanted to come and support the stance that, that we took against the Vermont government and the unconstitutional mandates. I was uh, considerably um, um, watched and um, harassed by our local government throughout the COVID season while uh, we remained open and we did everything that we needed to do to remain uh, safe. Um, we, you know, we, we did all kinds of things in the sanctuary to clean around the building to clean um, things during service to make sure uh, protocol was in place that, that everyone could enjoy service and be, be healthy and safe. But I refused to close down. And uh, the governor, um, Phil Scott, uh, did not like that. Our health commissioner uh, was not in, in um, favorable opinion of that, uh, as well as our state attorney general. So we were fighting against those unconstitutional mandates and those overreaches uh, throughout the entire COVID season. And um, fortunately, God's put many incredible people in our, in our path to help us um, with those unconstitutional mandates. Uh, and those of you listening, I encourage you to know what your state constitution says, not just the United States constitution, but your state has a constitution, which your government, your local government, your governor, your attorney general, um, all of those who, who are, are, are sworn to uphold your state's constitution, you need to hold them accountable to that. But in order to do so, you've got to know what your state constitution says. So I would encourage encourage each and every one of you to find your state constitution, get a copy of it, and have that uh, on hand whenever you are beginning to, to see some overreach. You can pull that thing up and say, hey, this is unconstitutional and this is why. But we fought that for goodness, uh, about a year, and um, continued to meet, continued to worship. We, we didn't stop meeting. Uh, if there was ever going to be any time that we took off, it was going to be at our discretion as a ministry based on what the numbers around the area were. And that's exactly how we, we uh, decided to handle things. Um, but Charlie was an incredible, incredible support, uh, encouragement, strengthened this whole area. He's coming back on October 18th to the University of Vermont. So he's coming back October 18th to the University of Vermont. So when those tickets become available, please make sure if you are in the local area, you come out and support uh, Turning Point. And uh, I believe he's going to be on a tour with Turning Point and he's um, making uh, his way through the University of Vermont. So if you're in upstate New York or um, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, you don't want to miss this. Come on out and support that again on October 18th. You know, so why is it important to stand against totalitarianism and governmental overreach? You know, I had a lot of people throw Romans 13 at me, uh, not just Christians throughout the area, but even pastors throughout the area saying you're not abiding by what Romans 13 is mandating you do. Well, here's the thing. If it's not of God, if it's not of God's kingdom, it must not be supported. If it's not of the kingdom of God, it must fall. God does not release a, a biblical mandate, a kingdom mandate to us as his people, as his church, and then say, if the president or your governor or Congress decides to make a law that is in opposition to what my kingdom says, what my word says, 
then you must disregard my word and do what those governmental authorities tell you to do. That's not what this is. It's got to be God's kingdom first. And understand, if you go against the law of the land, you have to understand, just as Paul back in his day, we have to understand that there are going to be consequences based on the stance that we take against those governmental overreaches, against those unconstitutional, unkingdom-like mandates that oftentimes get thrown at us, we have to take a stand and there will be consequences. There will be ramifications for those stances. But understand that there is division that's being intentionally created by governmental figures. It was amazing uh, to see all of the various um, uh, determinations by the different governors throughout uh, the United States, different, different governors in different states making different um, and alternative um, differentials based on what they believed was right. It was, this was not a one-size-fits-all uh, situation. Some governors were very heavy-handed. Other governors were very loose with it and said, we're not going to impede upon your freedom, but you need to be intentionally uh, cautious and careful and take care of your, your, your body and, and, and make sure that you're not spreading sickness around. And um, so we begin to see how all of those differences played out throughout the country. And um, there were there are many governors, our state's governor included, um, Phil Scott here in Vermont, who... Uh, was was operating an overreach. He, uh, you know, locked down the state. He uh, put unconstitutional mandates in place, uh, expected them to be followed. And um, I can tell you from our experience, uh, at eight o'clock every every morning for for a certain period of time, the health commissioner of this state was blowing my phone up. At eight o'clock in the morning, it was ringing off the hook until I answered. And uh, we went back and forth. We went back and forth with our legal counsel. He actually, um, uh, Dr. Levine here in Vermont, actually hung up on our legal counsel and called me back and said, I'm only speaking to you. And he didn't understand that I was going to respond based on what legal counsel was stating. So I just had legal counsel in the other, in the other ear and responded based on what he was saying. And we worked through that, even though he uh, vehemently disagreed with what, uh, what I was doing. And that's okay. Disagreement does not mean that... Um, we are at a point of, of not being able to uh, move forward together in, in what we've been called to do. I appreciated the fact that he's been called to help people stay healthy and well and encourage people to, to live a life of, of, um, of health and well-being. But at the same time, that should, not, uh, th- that should not be paid for by the expenses of people saying you cannot go to worship. You can't go to church. So you can go to the mall. You can go to the grocery store. Uh, you can go out and about and do those essential things. But we, as the government, are going to determine that church is no longer essential. And because we, as the government, say church is not essential, you can't go to church. That is not a proper depiction of Romans 13. I had pastors telling me that blood was going to be on my hands because we stayed open. I had pastors telling me that I was um, uh, I was not a good shepherd, that I was not leading the people well because I was not uh reflecting Romans 13 and doing as the government was telling me I needed to do. So my question back to them was, okay, if that's the case, then don't forsake the assembling of the saints, as is the habit of some. I guess we're going to just brush that aside for a season, just because our governors and our, and our, and our president and our congressional um, uh, representatives, they've decided that we should not gather. So because they say we shouldn't gather, 
we, we, we need to disregard what the word of God says. I don't believe that's true. And I believe that's an, that's an inaccurate um, depiction and inaccurate interpretation of Romans 13. I believe that if we are going to accurately apply Romans 13, we have to understand that as we pray for our government, as we do what our government specifically tells us to do within the, the, the parameters of, um, of our constitution within the parameters of our society obligations that if any of that supersedes the word of God, we must push back. There cannot be an understanding and an expectation that the people of God roll over and become a doormat to the United States government or to your local government leaders. That is not a proper depiction of Romans 13. Division is being brought intentionally and created by governmental figures. And yet the body of Christ says, well, we've got to keep the political conversation out of the church. That's just not true. There's got to be political conversation inside the church. The, 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 listen, so when we get to, listen, when we get to the, the discussion about abortion, I know a lot of churches like to stay away from the conversation of abortion, but Roe versus Wade does not determine life. Roe versus Wade does not get to determine when life begins. Roe versus Wade does not get to determine if a child can be aborted in the womb or not. The Bible specifically speaks about murder. The Bible specifically speaks to, to the, hu the humanity of a life as it's conceived. And we do not give that over to a governmental system. The government does not get to dictate to you and I what defines marriage. The word of God defines marriage. So if we're going to apply it accurately, then it's got to be applied uh, uh, as all standards across the board. So, so churches cannot say, pastors cannot say, well, we're not going to allow the government to define what marriage is. We're going to allow the word of God to define marriage, but government, we're going to let you tell us if we can or can't meet. I mean, you, you talk about hypocrisy. You know, I think some of the greatest division and some of the, the most dangerous um, conversation has been had from the pulpits of America throughout 2020 with pastors being okay broadcasting on YouTube and being, you know, broadcasting on Facebook and, and uh, live streaming their services, and that's as far as they go, and they've become okay not meeting face-to-face -face again. And say, well, pastor, you know, these are, these are tools that God's given us in moments like this. We can utilize these and we don't need to gather. No, they're tools as a way to reach people, but it is not to take place of the gathering and the assembly together. If, if you are someone who, you, you, you can get in that atmosphere and you can sense a difference between the spirit of God moving inside the four walls of a building when people come together to worship, to praise God, and, and you, you know, you're at high praise and you've got deep, intimate worship. You cannot tell me that it's the same atmosphere sitting there watching that on your smart TV, your, your, your phone, or your computer. It's just a completely different atmosphere. So that atmosphere that's created inside the house of God, when the people of God come together, that's what we cannot forsake. That's, that's why we've got to assemble together. There's power in that agreement. There's incredible, tangible outpourings of the spirit of God in those moments. And we cannot sacrifice that for the sake of governmental figures who most, for, for the most part, have absolutely no spiritual discernment whatsoever 
They're operating completely out of their own man-made laws. They're operating completely out of an unconstitutional mandate. They're operating out of forced pressure from society or those who've been in government for a long time. Like in our area, we've got Patrick Leahy, we've got Bernie Sanders. Those guys will push these mandates, push these stipulations and force their way, force their hand and, and, and try to make the culture accept what they're doing. So when you begin to stand up against that, there's always um, people from all walks of life that will come against you and, and make it seem as though you don't care about society or you don't care about people. I can tell you we care so much about people. That's why we stayed open. I can't tell you the amount of phone calls I had personally of people dealing with depression because they've been cut off from their circle. They've been cut off from their family. Maybe they were working at home and they were cut off from their, their coworkers. They weren't able to see their kids or their grandkids. Um, all kinds of, of people going through different mental and emotional issues that had it not been for the gathering of the people of God, and we meet on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, had it not been for those gatherings, people would have been in a very, very difficult place. We are here to bring God's kingdom. We can't forget that. We are a citizen of heaven first and foremost before we're a citizen of the United States of America. And I think sometimes because of the way our culture and our society is set up, we've, we, it's, it's very easy to forget that. And oftentimes we put our constitution before the word of God. Oftentimes we put our, our governors and our president before we do Jesus. And I think we've got to realign our focus and realign the way in which we see the territory that God's called us to reach. You know, he told us to go and occupy. He said, occupy until I come. How are we going to occupy if we become doormats for a governmental system that continues to attempt to steamroll the body of Christ into circumventing and, and suppressing the word of God that comes out of the church. And the reason it's so, the reason they want to suppress it, the reason that they want to circumvent the, the, the people of God is because the kingdom is countercultural to what we are seeing right now in 2021. Right now, if we say we disagree with somebody, the culture says, well, you must hate them. You must be a racist. You must be bigoted. There, there's, there's some kind of preclusion there that's causing you disconnect, and it's got to be some kind of cultural label. It can't be for the fact that I, I love you, but though I love you, I disagree with this area of your life. Culture doesn't understand that. Culture doesn't understand why there may be aspects of someone's life that you don't disagree with and you, you still be able to love them and encourage them and strengthen them. So I don't know where you are in your journey today. All of us have people that, that you know, are, are from various walks of life that we have in our circle, that we have in our sphere. And depending on who those people are, you learn to take the good and the bad, you, you know, the, 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 the ugly and the pretty, and, and you learn to work your way through it. But the culture tells us, the culture is now labeled anything that we disagree with, with somebody. So if you are in church today and you say, well, I'm okay with, with someone being transgender, they need to be what they, what they need to be, what they feel like they ought to be, then you are essentially saying God made a mistake. So if you say God made a mistake, when the Bible is very specific about the fact that God made man and he made woman, he made male and female, that's, that, that's humanity, that's humankind, man and woman. So you're essentially saying God made a mistake in how he created people. 
And Christians will say, well, I don't want anyone to feel bad. I don't want them to get upset. So I don't really care. It's their life. They can do what they want to do. What kind of line have you drawn in the sand? What kind of line have you put there and say, I'm unwilling to cross over this because I am going to stand for truth and righteousness, and I'm not going to allow the culture to pull me over that line to say, it doesn't matter to me. It ought to matter to every Christian what's happening right now in this culture with the fact that it's okay in the culture that people be whatever they want to be. If you want to be a woman and you're a man, then, then go ahead and be a woman. If you're a man and, you know, you, you decide that you're going to make some sex changes, then go ahead and do that. And it's an uncomfortable conversation in the church to have, but it's got to be a conversation that is had. If we don't begin to address these cultural mandates inside of Christian circles, if you've got people uh, that, that you have Bible studies with, or you've got people that you go out to coffee with on a regular basis, you need to be bringing these things up. Have these conversations in your circle. Know how the people believe in your circle, in your family, the people you run with on a regular basis. It's okay to have these conversations. You should have these conversations. Because if not, you're going to get backed up into a corner, not really understanding what people believe. And all of a sudden, you're going to find yourself uh, connected to people who may believe something you don't truly believe is, is, is godly. It doesn't reflect the kingdom of God. But unfortunately, many Christians don't know what that kingdom is all about. You know, and, and Jesus, you know, he took the message of the kingdom and made it a mirage behind a story. And he did that on purpose. So sometimes when we're having conversations with people, and maybe you've grown up in church your entire life, and it's easy for you to talk about these things. It's easy for you to stand on your own two feet and, and not necessarily have a theological argument. I think a lot of non-Christians expect Christians to have theological arguments with, with, with them. And, and I think that's a dangerous place to get sometimes, especially when you're dealing with people who don't understand the word of God. They don't know what the scripture says about a thing. But, uh, you know, people on the outside are going to hear a nice, simplistic story they can identify with. But Jesus said, you, the disciples, I'm going to give you the director's version. And it's, and it's like that in our, in our conversations, you know, when you're sitting around having coffee with people, if, 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 you know, they're saved or unsaved, you know who they are, you know what they believe if, if they're in your circle. So those that are unsaved, you're going to have a different con kind of conversation maybe than you will with those who you know are saved. You know, when we welcomed Charlie and Erica this past week, there were many people that don't attend church, but they have very conservative viewpoints. They believe in kingdom principles. They just don't understand their kingdom principles. They don't know that. So when I was looking around and looking at those who um, I, ha I have never seen before, you could tell who was comfortable in a church setting, and you could tell who was uncomfortable in a church setting. And that doesn't mean that there's a divide there uh, as far as some belief systems go, but what it means is there are some who are, who are constant churchgoers, they've got a dedicated relationship with God, and there are others who are dedicated to, to principles found within our Constitution that may have kingdom um, uh, you know, kingdom overtones to them, and they identify with that, but don't really understand that they're part of God's kingdom. But, you know, Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to give you the story behind the story. And in Matthew 13, 12, he says, for whoever has to him, more shall be given. Now, that's about as un-American as we can get in 2021. For whoever has to him, more shall be given. Now, our culture right now is telling us to take from everybody and to give to those who, who aren't working hard, 
who are not striving for things. And, you know, that, 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 and that's about as un-American of a statement as you can get. For whoever has to him, more shall be given. Now, this stuff is in red. If, you're reading, if you read your Bible, this is in red. Jesus himself is saying this. And this statement kind of confronts American. Not America, but American. And I believe there's a difference because some think they're American. You know, because they're American, they're automatically Christian. You ever come across people like that and you say, you know, uh, what religion are you? And they say, well, I'm Christian. Well, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship that is built on faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And the problem with what I think we've, we're seeing across the nation right now, right now is because there's so many people who've been okay with religion and they've conformed to a religious mindset and they've, you know, the definition of religion means to conform to an outer code of conduct. And I believe that that COVID was kind of a separating, it was kind of a force that separated the wheat and the chaff, so to speak, from those who were on fire for God. They were devoted to their relationship with Jesus. They were, they were, they were passionate about, uh, about their, their walk with God. They were on fire with God. And then there are those who were very religious and they were okay with not gathering because to them, it's, it, it's just something that we don't really have to do. It's something that we can do if we want to because they're operating with a religious mindset, which is conforming to an outer code of conduct. So Jesus doesn't care very much about our protests or, or opinions or our voting rights. You know, America is a democracy, but Jesus runs a kingdom. And that is why you cannot take Romans 13 and apply it blank as a blanket across everything that happens around this nation. America is a democracy. Jesus runs a kingdom, and he wants his kingdom to be established on earth but we've replaced it with our own man-made kingdoms. So we've made our president a king. We've made our governors a king. We've made our representatives kings. We've given them all authority, and we fall under their authority. We don't look to see what it is that God says on the matter. What does Jesus say about a thing? What do the scriptures say about a thing? And then determine our support of a thing on the earth based on what God says. We find a political candidate that we like or we dislike, and there's our dividing factor. You see, God runs a kingdom, and when the king issues an edict, he expects it to be carried out. That means your circumstances, um, your situations are put away to fulfill the edict that has been issued. Jesus said, if you don't obey my commands and follow the ways of the kingdom, you're going to find curses upon you. He says, so choose this day whom you will serve. I mean, that's a pretty powerful statement that Jesus made. Choose whom this day who you will serve. So he says, for whoever has to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has is going to be taken away from him. Jesus is saying he's looking for people who know how to manage and handle blessing, and he gives them more blessing. Do you know that we grew as a church during COVID? Our ministry, our church, Ignite Church, grew during COVID. Because we remain steadfast to the call of God, we did not forsake the assembling of the saints, as is the habit of some. We remained open. We defied the governmental overreach. We came against those ungodly mandates, and God blessed our church by allowing it to grow. There were other churches that closed, and they didn't know how they were going to make it, didn't know how they were going to make it spiritually, didn't know how they were going to make it financially. We had pastors uh, reaching out to us saying, um, uh, now we understand why we need technology in our church. Can you help us? Because we have no way to reach our people. I remember when we moved to Vermont back in, um, it was the end of 2016. Um, 
I believe it was November of 2016. And, um, when we got here, there was just no, no media. Um, the, the, you know, they had one social media page. Uh, it was, it was an aged congregation. Uh, it was a congregation that was on the brink of, of dying out. And, uh, God brought us up here to help bring some life and resuscitate, um, the work that God wanted to do in Vermont. So one of the, one of the first things that we did, one of the first changes that we implemented was, uh, we started broadcasting our services. Now there was a certain demographic of, of people that challenged me on that and said, well, you're doing nothing but trying to build your ego. You're doing nothing but trying to promote yourself. And they could not understand that this was a tool of the gospel of the kingdom to reach people. They, they just could not understand that logic. All they saw it is, is a distraction and something that nobody would use because you know, if they didn't use it, nobody was using it. Right. So it's amazing how people will perceive things differently. So when you, when we implemented the, the, the media, um, people began to connect to us from all over New England, throughout the state, uh, throughout the region, and people started coming to check out the church. Why? Because they were able to watch it on Facebook. They were able to see uh, things on YouTube. Uh, we since come off of Facebook. Facebook started shadow banning all of our all of our services, and we went from thousands of people that we were able to reach organically to less than a hundred. When I started talking about government and overreach and 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 pre- the president and and um, uh, our governor and things like that, I started mentioning certain keywords, and all of a sudden our reach dramatically decreased. Uh, so if that's happening to you, uh, more than likely or not, uh, you know, there's some things that have been built into the, um, the way in which Facebook is, is put together where they're able to capture those things and minimize your, your reach. So as we begin to do that and implement the technology to reach people, our ministry started growing. Now, we didn't know that three years down the road, we were going to hit COVID and it was going to be an incredible outreach of this church above and beyond what we already had because we had the technology in place to reach people at the time when other churches were closing. Now, you know, at the beginning of COVID, we took some time away. No one had experienced this before. We didn't really know what was happening. So, uh, you know, because all the mandates started coming down and I knew deep in my heart and my spirit, it was wrong. But at the same time, no one had experienced this stuff before. So we took, you know, we took several weeks off until I, you know, came to the, 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 the revelation that, hey, this could go on forever. We're not doing this forever. We're coming back to church. We're meeting. And then that's when all hell came against us. But it was interesting to see those pastors and leaders reach out to us from around the area saying, you know, we see what you guys have, we see what you guys implemented, and we need some help because we have no way to reach people. They were not prepared to reach a demographic because they had been taught, they had been told, they had experienced in this culture, in this area in Vermont here, that you don't put technology in church because that's not of God. You ever, you ever had anyone tell you that that's not of God and they get all religious on you? Well, you know, I believe all the apostles would have used every tool necessary to spread the gospel if they were here now. So it's our responsibility to use every tool at our disposal to spread the gospel. Podcasts are a part of that. Broadcasting live is a part of that. Putting your services online, giving people an opportunity to go back and watch them, to hear messages over and over again. That's part of spreading the gospel. We've got to do that. And in this passage that I just read to you, Jesus is pretty much saying he's looking for people who know how to manage and handle blessing. Why would God want to give you more blessing if you can't handle what you've got right now? 
Because the people who can't manage and use what God gives them, he will take from them and give to the ones who know how to use it. That's about as anti-American in this generation as I think Jesus can get. Don't you think so? So the people who are diligent and wise, he said, I will pour blessing after blessing after blessing on them. But the people who are lazy and won't serve and won't give into the kingdom, they sit there and they want everybody else to carry the load. They want to sit there and let everybody else support them. He said, it's going to be taken away and given to someone more capable of fulfilling their purpose in him. He goes on to say in Matthew 13, verse 13, uh, he says, therefore, I speak to them in parables because while seeing they don't see. And while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So essentially what he's saying is inside inside the kingdom, there's an us and there's an them. Inside the culture, there's an us and there's a them. The us and them can be distinguished between the crowds and the disciples. Jesus, listen, Jesus has always, always for 2,000 years been able to draw a crowd. As, as we were pastoring in Orlando, I mean, there's big churches all over Orlando, big and small churches, hundreds and thousands of people gathering. Jesus can still draw a crowd, but not all the crowds get Jesus. I'm going to say it again so, so you can hear what I'm saying. Jesus can always draw a crowd, but not all the crowds get Jesus. I want, I, want, I want you to get into a reflective position right now to get yourself aligned with God's kingdom. You don't serve a kingdom within the United States of America. You don't serve the president and, and what he says supersedes what the word of God says. If you are going to be a revolutionary in the kingdom here on the earth, then you've got to get in place of readiness. The people that Jesus was willing to give the kingdom to were not the multitudes. How come? Because the same characteristic that is present today was present in Jesus's day. And that is the crowds, the multitudes will always gather for something free. That's why when they were pushing the vaccine, they were giving away, I mean, some, some towns and states were doing um, monetary prizes. You can get a hundred dollars here, or you can get in a raffle for a million dollars. And you've got companies um, uh, like Krispy Kreme giving away donuts. You've got uh, fast food restaurants giving away tickets for free food. I mean, anything to try to compel you and manipulate you into getting a shot. And so understand that the, the, the crowds will always gather for something free. So whenever Jesus was healing and miracles were happening, the line always got bigger. People came out from everywhere. When he's casting out devils, people were always showing up wanting deliverance. Whenever Jesus was giving something away, there was always a crowd. But when Jesus required something from them, the multitudes would shrink from hundreds and thousands down to 12. And there was a reason for this because the root word for a disciple is discipline. The disciples were disciplined. How were they disciplined? Because they walked with God. They didn't show up just for the church service. The people that showed up for the church service, you know, may have received their healing and got their miracle, had the devil cast out, but it was only the people that walked with him that got the kingdom. He said, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Why? Because disciples have to deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. When Jesus said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part from me. I mean, people split when he said that. People took off. They were like, this guy's crazy. See, you can always gather a crowd and they'll always be blessed and touched. But if you want the kingdom, Jesus called it the pearl of great price. And Jesus said he will not cast his pearls before swine. So Jesus won't give 
the best of what he has to those who will just roll around and slop in whatever they can, whatever they can get and, and never contribute to what is the kingdom of God. So I think there was an incredible moment for the body of Christ to stand up and rise up and say, against these totalitarianistic mandates, against these unconstitutional, unkingdom-like mandates, we are going to meet. We're going to worship, we're going to sing, we're going to gather together, we're going to have our Bible studies, we're going to break the word open together, and we can do that, and we were able to do that in very safe ways, but we're not going to give up that God-given mandate, that God-given responsibility together and not forsake that assembly. There is no asterisk on that scripture. There is no if your government says. There is no if your president says this. Romans 13 does not have an asterisk by it that say that says you can supersede what the word says if your president or your governmental figures say this. You can supersede this if you voted on it and it passed or, or, or whatever. You can, you can supersede the kingdom if. That's not what it says. There's got to be a place where you draw a line in the sand and say I'm unwilling to step over this line even if it get, goes against the culture that I live in today. I don't bury my head in the sand. You know, I, I position myself to recover. I position myself to go through. I position myself to challenge voices that uh, essentially exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And we cannot be afraid to push back on these governmental figures who believe they have the, 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 the end say all. You know, everything that they say uh, is, you know, yes and amen. You know, uh, some, some, of, some people are afraid of the word yes because it requires commitment to what you have before you. And people would, you know, uh, would rather run away from that kind of accountability and responsibility. But Proverbs 6 verse 31 says, but when he is found, in other words, when you know the thief has robbed you, he must repay sevenfold. He must give all the substance of his house. Moses was about to anoint Aaron and his sons as he had been commanded by God. They dressed in the proper attire and positioned themselves to receive their anointing and blessing. And the Bible says in Leviticus 8, Moses then took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. He sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all of its utensils and the basin and its stand to consecrate them. You see, when the enemy steals what was intended for you to grow the kingdom of God, there comes another season where you receive the anointing. So if you were in a place to where you kind of lost your zeal and you kind of lost your, your drive and your passion for the things of God, it's time to get it back. You don't put that in the hands of a president. You don't put those things in the hand of, of governmental institutions. That, that, you, you, are not, you are not abusing Romans 13 when you stand against things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. When presidents and governmental leaders, your governors, your, your, your local, even, even all the way down to city council, if they are, if they are applying unbiblical unkingdom-like mandates in your city or your town, it is your God-given responsibility to go stand up and resist it. How can you take the territory that God's commanded you to take if you don't do it? You, maybe you've been praying the prayer of Jabez, God enlarge my territory. How is God going to expand and enlarge your territory if you are like a doormat to your city council, if you are a doormat to your school, dist to your school district school board? How many of you have gone to a school board meeting to stand up against the, the ungodly, unchristian um, uh, things that the school board is allowing to come into your public school systems? 
well, Pastor, I don't, I don't have, you know, kids in the public school. I homeschool my kids, so I don't really care. So you don't care about the rest of the generation that your kids are living in? Their peers? We've got to care. We've got to go to those school board meetings. We've got to stand up for truth and righteousness. Many of you don't even know what is inside the critical race uh, um, theories that are being put out there and instituted into the, um, uh, the public school theology, we can call it, because I don't even really think they're teaching anymore. They're, they, they become indoctrination camps of the government. And I don't know why we're surprised. I mean, they're government run. They're government uh, financially supported. I don't know why we're surprised at the fact that these public school systems from, from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade are being used as indoctrination camps of governmental systems. So if God has put us in the territory to impact those areas and impact those regions, why are we sitting at home on school board meeting nights? I know you're tired. I know, you know, we want to, we want to, um, you know, pray that other people take care of that, but where's your voice? Where's our voice as the people of God? We have to stand against that kind of ungodliness. We've got to. I mean, I've, got two, I've got two more kids left in the public school system. I told our church a few weeks ago, you know, the superintendent knows my name. The principal knows my name. Because when there are things that, that I believe are wrong and ungodly, when there are speakers that they bring in and they don't tell the parents that those, those people are coming in, I let my voice be known. They know who I am, and they know my voice. Um, they, they have been very kind, but I know they don't take very well to what I say, and I don't really care what their, what their feelings are about it. I've got to be accountable to God. Train up a child in the way that they should go so when they are old, they will not depart from it. I've got to show my children that I am standing up for truth and righteousness in the face of an ungodly generation. In the face of a culture that tells you just to sit down, be quiet, because you're a Christian, you have no voice. Because you believe in God, you keep that stuff at church, but it doesn't have anything to do with the culture. You've got to keep it out of the government. That is completely not what God has called us to do. He's called us to infiltrate the government systems. He's called us to run for seats, for local seats around your state. You need to do that. If God's called you to, to become a part of your local government, you need to do that. If God's called you to run for national, national seats uh, in our governmental system, you need to do that. Maybe there are things that you can do in your school system, in your school district to bring change. You need to do that. Whatever God's been tugging and pulling on your heart to do, it's time for you to get out of that, of that I, I like to call it that spiritual lazy boy or that spiritual comfort chair, you know, where it feels good and we feel like we have it, we're, we're okay with God while we're watching everything else crumble around us and we do nothing about it. It's time for the people of God to get out of their spiritual lazy boys, to stand on the threshold of what I believe is the greatest move of God that our generation is about to see. And we have got to be forerunners in this generation and stand for truth and righteousness against this culture or our children at, at our disposal are going to lose things that, that they would be able to gain if we as their parents, if we in this generation would stand strong for truth and righteousness. The time is now, saints, the time is now for us to walk in deliverance and freedom in our personal life and our journey with God and as citizens of the United States. We have to stand strong 
upon the word of God in 2021 and beyond. We cannot look back at what God used to do, what God did in previous generations. I want to see a sustained move of God right now in your home, in your family, in your school, in your workplaces. And now is the time for us to stand for truth and righteousness and never give governmental officials the ability to dictate your faith, to dictate your gathering, to dictate how it is that you live inside of your faith and your walk with Jesus. Jesus. Never, ever give that over to governmental systems again. It's time to stand. It's time to stand for truth. It's time to, st- uh, time to stand for righteousness. And I believe that freedom is here, so you never need to walk through this again. If you are ever going to pursue your enemy, overtake them, and recover it all, then you've got to learn to operate in the truth of God's word and become a disciple walking with Jesus and journey in freedom together. Because once you have overtaken the enemy that stands before you, and sometimes that that's the culture. If God is going to recover it for you, we've got to become a disciple, know his promise for you, and walk in that freedom. The time is now. You are shatterproof. You can walk in that freedom. You can walk in that power. God's given you the keys of the kingdom, and it's time for you and I to take the keys of the kingdom into this culture and to stand strong upon every word that he's given to you and I. We can change this culture. We're going to see the greatest move of God ever that we've ever seen. So time is now. Time is now. There's never going to be the perfect moment where we can launch out into everything God's called us to do. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What signs are you waiting for? A lot of Christians say, I'm waiting for God to give me a sign. Well, look around. Look at our culture. Look at our school system. Look at our churches. Look at our church culture. Look at, what's, look at the division that's happened in our church culture. I mean, it's bad enough we have all kinds of denominations that separate us. It's bad enough that we've got all kinds of man-made religious uh, doctrinal, doctrinal theologies that have been put inside of, of, of denominational systems that separate people. But now we're politically divided. Now we're politically divided. So I want to encourage you, get the kingdom of God first and foremost in your vision. Get the kingdom of God right before you and focus on that and let the kingdom of God begin to dictate and determine the steps that you walk. Your steps have been ordered. God's called you chosen, peculiar. He's called you out. He's called you to be separate. You're in the world, but not of the world. So it's time that we begin to reflect and represent the kingdom of God. I am so excited for everything that God's about to do, everything he's about to release, the way in which he's going to do it. I believe the time is now, and I challenge you to step out and become everything that God has called you to do. I love you. I'm praying for you. If you want to connect with us, you can check us out at Ignite Church, I-G-N-I-T-E-C-H-U-R-C-H-V-T, IgniteChurchVT.com. Uh, you can find us on online. Uh, uh, at Facebook and Instagram as well and YouTube and uh, you can watch our services and get connected with everything that God is doing here at Ignite Church. I love you. Thank you for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode of Shatterproof.